I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Each fortnight we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening, plant care, pest control, container ideas, growing your own fruit and vegetables. Plus expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Tony Dickerson, one of the team of horticultural advisors here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. Coming up in this edition... Giant pumpkins, heritage tomatoes and the secret of the perfect potato. We hear from expert vegetable growers at the RHS London Harvest Festival show. How to choose the perfect apple tree for every garden, big or small. And, as always, we'll have the latest news on RHS events across our four gardens. But first, let's head outside to join garden manager Matthew Pottage to find out what's happening in RHS Garden Wisley right now. Okay, so we're feeling a little more autumn in the garden now. We're feeling cooler nights and the days are certainly shortening. But we still have some colour and we still have interest to see at this time of year. One of my favourite groups of plants that are really performing for us now are the asters. And we are really spoilt for choice. There's so many different forms, shapes, sizes. One of my particular favourites are the Aster ericoides. And they're called this because they almost look slightly erica-like. They're quite bushy, they're quite congested, like an erica would be, like a heather. But they come in these beautiful mauve, kind of small purpley daisy flowers. And they're so minute, they almost give like a haze of colour. And they're really great for holding themselves, knitting together. And they're, they're good for the, the, the front edge of a border. And they're maybe not what you expect when you think of late season asters. But also mixed in with this planting here is the lovely blue of this aconitum. And this is a time of year to think about monk's hoods. They're great on a woodland fringe or in part shade or in that north border where things can struggle to grow or you find flowering plants may be difficult to perform. They like a bit of moisture and they like a bit of you know, kind of protection from the midday sun and the real heat. So two really good plant groups to be looking at and thinking about. But also my attention's taken over here. You can see on the wall behind us, there's been some work done on the climbing rose. You can look at pruning climbing roses at this time of year. And the advantage is they're not going to be ravaged by the wind and they're not going to be pulled down by snow if you've gone in there and you've thinned out some of the growth. And you go in looking for the 3Ds, as you always would, take out any dead, diseased, dying wood. And then we've you can see here we've pruned back the stems that have flowered heavily and we're tying in stems that have grown as big vigorous shoots this year and they're going to be next year's flowering wood and what's been really beautifully done here is they've been twisted and tied onto this wall and if you can bend or tie down the flowering stems of next year that will help produce flowers 
And then just something a bit different to think about rather than just flowers and, and what's looking showy now. But leaving seed heads standing for the winter, we've got eryngiums that have flowers throughout the garden. And they're very good at just standing through the winter months. They've got seed for birds and they'll just give a bit of structure to your border. Some of the eryngium giganteums like silver ghosts, they're really stout. And while they've actually finished and they've died now, you know, they will hold through the frost, through the snow and through the west of the winter. And coupled with grasses, grasses are really in their prime at the moment. We've got lots of colourful reds and whites of different miscanthus and the big pampas grass, the cortaderias, are coming into flower. But again, just leave them to stand through the winter and they'll add structure where you maybe don't have evergreens or backbones or shrubs. And if you haven't done it already, remember to protect your precious frost tender plants from the extremes of winter weather. I'm Lee Hunt. I'm the Principal Horticultural Advisor here at Wisley. Bananas, yes, you can bring them into frost-free place, but you can look after them in the ground quite successfully. They've got these big, chunky, very watery stems. And the first rather alarming thing you've got to do is actually cut the top off them because you want them at a size that you can actually wrap them. And if they're huge, then it's going to be a really big job. So typically just take a something like a small pruning saw, hack your way through them and probably two, three feet off the ground is sufficient uh, to leave that sort of stump. Next thing, get something like chicken wire, four stakes in the corner, wrap your chicken wire around so you're creating a cage around those stems and then into that cage you're going to pack good thick layer of straw you want at least six inches on the outside um, of your stems and then six inches on the top but really well packed in all through the the stems as well finally once you've got your cage stuffed with straw you then put a plastic sheet over the top that's just to keep the worst of the winter wet out the idea behind that as well is that it needs to be really well tied on because, of course, through the winter months, the last thing you want to see is your plastic sheet flying off into next door's garden. So peg it on and then it'll do its job. You can find out more information about overwintering plants, including video guides to wrapping tree ferns and bananas on the RHS website, rhs.org.uk forward slash advice. I'm Tony Dickerson, and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. We'd love your feedback on our podcasts. We've created a short gardening podcast survey, which you can find at rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast survey. Would you like more seasonal advice, more features about flowers, more on fruit and vegetables? Answer it by the 1st of November 2013, and you can win £50 worth of RHS Gardening books. Please let us know. We're eager to know what you think. Now, with the October chill comes celebrations of harvest across the UK. One such festival was held at the Lindley Hall in London. The RHS London Harvest Show was a fabulous event featuring stunning displays of prize-winning fruit and vegetables, food and drink, expert growers and talks on foraging, brewing and cultivation techniques. We went down to the show to see the giant pumpkins and get tips on growing perfect fruit and vegetables from gardeners of all ages. My name is Lamar and we are at the RHS Great Autumn Fair. My name's Emil and we are at the RHS Great Autumn Fair. My name's Christina and we are at the RHS Great Autumn Fest. I like the chilli cheese and I can see loads of big pumpkins. 
I'm really amazed about the Orchard Project. They're here, they've helped our school before. Um, we've worked with them and I also love the chili cheese as well. <laughs> I like the chili cheese. The pumpkins, there was big ones last year, but this one, there's much more of them. It's awesome. I'm Neil Hope, I'm the membership registrar for the National Vegetable Society and one of their trustees. Like all years, every year is different. This year had challenges, certainly at the beginning of the year. We had that long, cold spell, and depending upon where you are in the country, it affected people differently. But having said that, we had a warm spell in the summer, and as, as we talk today, the temperature hasn't dropped, although we're threatening to drop tomorrow. Um, things have come on much better later in the season. I mean, I myself have had a wonderful crop of potatoes, one of the best crops I've ever had. I'm still picking runner beans outside because we haven't had a late frost and we're now like 8th of 9th of October and we haven't had a frost yet. A lot of the flower growers like dahlias and that are still looking good in the field. So, and a lot of vegetable growers do grow flowers as well. They look good, although you can't eat them. <laughs> Every year produces its own challenge. Certainly the, uh, the, the cold start to the year meant everything got delayed. So the people that um, grew for their early crops were definitely two to three weeks later. Now everything has largely caught up. And as I said, the fact that we haven't had frost, and it's been relatively dry recently, that's helped tremendously. We had a long, hot, dry spell in the middle of the summer, which was... Very difficult for me because my other speciality crops, runner beans, and you just cannot give runner beans enough water. They just need water, water, water. And if you miss it for a week or two, boy, that's it. And my personal challenge this year was I had my allotments in the best condition ever in June, and I suddenly decided to move house. So there was about eight weeks I couldn't get there, and now I've got the world's best crop of chickweed. And you know what they say? one year's seeds, seven year's weeds, so it's going to be tough. The thing about exhibiting in general, exhibiting in, to us is like the pinnacle of the quality growing, and by that I mean quality vegetables, I don't mean sort of giant misshapen vegetables that weigh tons, I'm not looking at the big pumpkins there, but everything you see like at this show today on the bench there, it might look big, bigger than normal, like the length of the carrots and the parsnips and the onions, everything is perfectly edible and perfectly good to eat it's all been grown well part of it is selecting the seed it's a little bit like breeding if you think on say horse racing you always sire from the main ones in a way vegetable growing is the best the the top exhibitors save their own seed they tend to breed their own seed and uh, they save the best like the lady that won the best prize in the run of beans this year she can tell you every plant that the seed came from, from those runner beans. She keeps that detail a record. And you'll notice I said she, because the top vegetable exhibitor is a lady, not a man. A lady by the name of Sherry Plum from Althorn in Essex, who is quite well known. And us men, we all strive to beat her, but we don't do very well. <laughs> don't grow and try too much, too soon, too quickly. Start slowly, and the most important thing is to find out what works with you. Certain varieties in different parts of the country will work better on different soils. So it really is a, a question of trying what works on your soil. 
If, for instance, you've taken an allotment for the first time, ask your fellow allotment holders what works well on that site because the soil will tend to be the same. And just don't be afraid to ask. Everyone is always willing to give help and advice. You know, it's, it's, it's something instinctly in us, in us vegetable growers. We, we, I think this phrase is we share our secrets. We want other people to join in and do as well as we do, and if not, even better. It gets to the stage where the apprentice beats the master, so to speak. Because once they get hooked, they're, 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 they're in there um, growing very well. And a show like this is one of the top shows in the country that you can see, particularly for this time of year. This has got the top quality vegetables that you can see. I'm Chris Smith from Pennard Plants. We're a nursery from Somerset, you know, in our old Victorian walled garden. We specialise in heritage varieties of vegetables. I must say we also now do some of the more modern, where there's varieties for patio use and so forth but we specialise in the older varieties because we think it's very important to keep them saved and keep them going. They have flavour, they've stood the test of time, and basically they just do very well in most gardens. The year itself for veg growing has been an awful lot better than last year. Uh, the weather's been better for it, but we did have a very cold start, which means that basically a lot of things are quite late. So we reckon even apples are probably two or three weeks later now than they would have been last year. Um, on the whole everything's grown well beans produced a terrific crop but a little bit on the late side potatoes have been fantastic all our customers have been coming and saying they've done really well with potatoes because the weather's just been right it was dry at the right time and wet at the right time few disappointments i suppose perhaps for some people green crops well there's been an awful lot of cabbage white butterflies around because of the nice weather laying their eggs hatching out and eating your cabbages but then you know it's never a perfect year every year for everything you just have to try and grow things and expect one or two losses but expect an awful lot more successes okay there's lots of things to do in the garden now anyway you know you should still be planting stuff for early crops for next year but seed saving is quite important, particularly if you've got heritage varieties or you've got varieties that perhaps have been handed down from generation to generation. And one of the things that uh, this is the time to do is to save seed off of tomatoes. And most tomatoes don't cross-pollinate. So, for example, runner beans, if you try and save seed off those, unless everybody in the next half-mile radius is growing the same variety, you won't actually keep the strain pure. But most tomatoes are self-fertile, so therefore they don't cross one to the other. And now's the time to save the seed, but you need to make sure that you break down the coating that's round the seed. Because if you ever look at a tomato seed, it's got a gelatinous coating round it. And that's to stop the seed germinating inside the tomato. So you need to get rid of that first. How do you do it? Well, you ferment the mixture of seeds and juice. Um, for about two to three days. It makes a pretty nasty, smelly mess. But basically, you open the tomato, squeeze the seed into a jar, mix it with a little bit of water, leave it on a windowsill. Two to three days later, you've got this horrible, mouldy mixture. Uh, you rinse it off in a sieve, and you're left with just the pure tomato seeds. Dry those out and store them somewhere dry for the winter. Bottom of the fridge is the best place, actually. And then next year, you can grow your own tomatoes. People think of tomatoes as being red, don't they? And if you buy them in the supermarket, they've got tough skins as well. But we've got green ones, yellow ones, black ones and orange ones here. Uh, green tomatoes, the variety is green zebra. They're just beginning to turn a little bit of yellow on them, which means they're ripe. 
Uh, if you don't fancy green tomatoes, well, you should really try them because the flavour is absolutely fantastic. Black Russian, one of my favourites, really large, dark purple fruits, ugly looking fruits, but the flavour again is absolutely fantastic. Very thin skinned, so you don't get this problem you get with supermarket tomatoes where it's, you're chewing through the skin. Orange banana, um, long, um, bright orange colour, really fantastic flavour. Some of them don't have too many seeds in them. We've got another variety called Striped Stuffer, which it usually grows into quite a big tomato, but this year hasn't made quite as large as normal. You can use that for stuffing, putting things inside it and baking them. Um, quite often that doesn't have an awful lot of seeds, so that's even better for it. Lots of varieties. We do about 60-odd. OK, sweet peas are done pretty well. We do about the 25 varieties of sweet peas, both the old-fashioned and the modern varieties. They're all scented because we don't believe in growing any if they aren't scented. We had them in flower for Chelsea by sowing them very early. And now is actually the time to get them in. September is ideal, but October is still not too late. If you don't get them in this month, wait until the early spring. A little bit of warmth to get them germinated, but make sure that you don't overwater them because then they rot and they don't come up. And that's usually the cause that people have disappointment keep them nice and cold and well lit for the winter so in a cold frame is best if not perhaps a greenhouse somewhere like that keep pinching them back so when they get to two or three inches take the tops out don't let them get too straggly and come the spring plant them out put them in tubs whatever you want to do and you should have flowers by may early june and of course they're just wonderful sweet peas there's a very nice uh, dark blue called just jenny which is really stunning and then there's another variety called Mumsy, which is a vibrant pink. But it really is vibrant. If you like really shocking colours in the garden, that's the one to go for. You can find more tips and advice about growing your own fruit and vegetables on the Grow Your Own pages of the RHS website, rhs.org.uk forward slash grow your own. Here you can also find video guides to key jobs in the garden. At this time of year, hundreds of apple-themed events are taking place in orchards and gardens across the country. 2013 has seen a bumper apple crop across the UK, further fueling interest in this popular fruit and encouraging many gardeners to consider planting a tree or two in their plots. So what variety of apples should you choose and how do you care for one? To get some advice, we spoke to Merrin Layden from the London Orchard Project, a charity that helps people plant and maintain fruit trees in urban environments. And Bernard Boardman from RHS Garden Whistler's Fruit Team. My name's Marin Layden and I work for the London Orchard Project, which is a charity based um, in Hackney. We work with community groups and residents' associations to plant and maintain orchards in urban areas in London to increase the biodiversity and the supply of fresh fruit and give people back the experience of having an apple straight off a tree. You can find our orchards anywhere from a tower block garden to big parks such as Claybury Park out in the outskirts of London um, where we've done some restoration work with older heritage trees Um, but generally in in local parks and housing estates all over London. We recommend working with a range of different varieties of fruit trees. We plant a lot of apple trees and some of them are heritage varieties but we promote mostly in London there are some brilliant heritage London varieties um, like Cellini is a variety that was developed in Vauxhall um, and Merton Wonder and some of the other kind of Merton based varieties that were just outside of London. The Cellini is a is a really nice classic 
red blushed apple. It's really sweet. Well, it's quite sweet, but it has, you know, a bit of a um, maybe almost aniseedy taste to it. As well as the heritage varieties, we also encourage people to plant some of the more modern varieties that have been developed specifically for growing in an organic way. So we try and encourage people, although it's not mandatory, to work organically with their orchards without pesticides and sprays. Um, and so there are some good varieties that have been specifically developed for those purposes. So a few tips about orchard care and maintenance. I think people can be quite intimidated by fruit trees and they think it's quite complicated. Really just have a go. They're very forgiving. With pruning, um, with new trees, if you can try and imagine a, a wine glass shape and prune to that so that the centre of the tree is nice and open and there's lots of sunlight and air gets in there, you'll have good fruit. On older trees, if you move into a house that has an old veteran tree, have a go at pruning it. You can get some long-handled saws and things so you don't have to worry too much about working at height. Um, but the general rule is no more than 25% in one season and it's a good idea to keep the material that you cut on the ground beside the tree so that you can see how far you've gone and work first with the damaged material in the tree or any branches that are crossing over or look dead. Cut those out first and then you can see what you're working with. Generally with apples and pears you can prune in the winter but it's best to leave stone fruit for the summertime to avoid silver leaf bacterial infection of the trees. Hi, I'm Bernard Boardman and I work for the fruit department at Wisley but today I'm selling apples at the autumn show at Vincent Square. We've brought a fair selection of uh, eating apples uh, ranging from varieties called like uh, Bloody Plowman lovely lovely red apple and we've got the exact opposite to that, it's a sort of nice green one which is called Limelight which has been very popular today, a lot of people like the sort of lightness it's got a bit of fizz about it i think we really love that uh, flavor and then we've got some pears we've got some conference pears which everybody are familiar with and always ask for so we bought some of those and then alongside them we're trying to introduce people to pears that they might not have tasted before and as you can see this young lady here is munching away on one called louis bon of jersey which uh, was uh, french bread pear very very juicy and goes this wonderful um, russety colour we've sold a lot of those today sweet and juicy yeah I was right so um, yes we've had a big crop of these this year and one of the questions we've had I've had quite a few of today is from people who've got big crops of fruit on their trees not quite sure when to pick them and especially with pears you need to keep Keep trying them and see if they'll come off the tree easily. Um, have a look on the sunny side and at the top of the tree first, which is where they get the most light, so those fruits will ripen quickest. Same thing goes for apples. If they'll harvest, if they'll pick easily, take them away and store them in as cool a place as you can possibly get without freezing them. So our big chilled fruit store at Wisley is we keep that between four and five degrees but we've got a lot of fruit sort of in the big shed as well and that sort of if we can keep it below 10 which is difficult in this sort of because we've had a very mild spell of weather but if you've got a cold garage or an outbuilding somewhere that's you can keep vermin free that's where to put them just 
keep them and try and store them so they're either on a shelf or in a box, not touching each other. Cover them with some newspaper or you can individually wrap the fruit if you want to. And they should store for a little while. Look out for rotten fruit and try and sort of get rid of it. You don't want to leave it lying around um, because the fungal spores can then sort of reinfect the tree for next year. So watch that one a bit. When the weather's mild, um, you sometimes you might well find the woolly aphid sort of uh, building up in cracks on the trunks of trees. And it's best to deal with those when you see them before they suddenly erupt and become a problem springtime. So just keep an eye on that sort of thing. To come, quince. If you've got quince, you know, enjoy it. We should have a good crop this year. Anybody who grows grapes, you know, we've had a terrific year. We, I think we'll be harvesting our vineyard next week and we've got, looks like, quite a good crop for once. So. The grape growers and you, there are some super bunches here at the show to look at. Should be good. And I think my customers come back for another taste of another pear. Why don't you just take one and eat the whole thing? Thank you. It's really nice. Merrin Layden from the London Orchard Project and Bernard Boardman, RHS Whistler's fruit team. If you've been inspired to go to a gardening event this autumn, why not try the RHS Garden Whistler's Taste of Autumn Festival between the 16th and 20th of October and treat your senses to cookery demonstrations, apple tastings and delicious produce stalls, plus family activities. Enjoy a lengthy yet easygoing circular walk on the 20th of October from 10am to 3pm from Hanningfield's Visitor Centre, Essex, to the RHS Garden Hyde Hall and back to Hanningfield, enjoying the landscape between the two sites. You'll be accompanied by expert walk leaders pointing out varied habitats and local wildlife on this evocative walk. Try your hand at botanical art at RHS Garden Harlow Car on the 26th and 27th of October between 10am and 4pm where under expert guidance you will paint a botanical study that aims to reflect the richness of the hedgerow harvest using subjects of your own choice. Details of all these events, as always, are on the website at rhs.org.uk forward slash gardens. You can also help us support wildlife during Wild About Gardens Week from the 25th to the 31st of October. More details on www.wildaboutgardensweek.org.uk Well, we're out of time on this edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Tony Dickerson and the team here at RHS Garden Whistley in Surrey, goodbye. Walking down the path in my garden, and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress Robotic Lawn Mower, the lawn is actually looking better. 
The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the Rhydon. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.